Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Welcome to another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And I'm very delighted to have an in-studio guest. He's an actor of film, television, and commercials, Dave Hoosier. Originally from Ohio, he is currently making his home in the Big Peach, mm-hmm. the ATL, the A, Atlanta. Thank you, Dave, so much for joining us. No, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, you know, it's a pleasure to be here. I've been recording podcasts with you a few times, and now to be be the one being interviewed is quite an honor. It's our pleasure. So, Dave, I think most stories are best from the beginning. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what your life was like growing up, where you're from, that kind of thing. Uh, I was born and raised just outside of the Akron-Cleveland area in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, uh, Medina, Ohio, and ended up going to school uh, in Bowling Green, Ohio, which is northwest in, in the state there. And I actually, my last, I went for film school, and my last semester there, believe it or not, I took a, an acting class. And after going through all the film school and everything, I said, you know what, that was, that was a lot more fun than being behind the camera. So I was like, well, it took me four years to finally figure it out, but I did it. And so after I graduated, I got a job at uh, the casino in downtown Cleveland, which is now called Jack uh, Casino. And I started taking classes at a place called the Hood School of Acting with Jessica Hood, phenomenal teacher. She uh, teaches the Meisner Technique. And... I studied there for about three years. I started teaching a little bit. I also stuck, uh, you know, I took headshots for a lot of the actors there. And it was an amazing experience. I learned so much from Jessica. And, you know, the time came, she just said, you know, I think it's time for you to move on down to Atlanta. I had talked with her about it. And so me and a good friend of mine, Sean Dell, we ended up making the, the move down here earlier this year in February. And so far, I wish I would have moved here years ago. It's been amazing an amazing journey, an amazing experience for me. I've met a lot of really, really awesome people. Um, but yeah, so now this is my home. I love it. I don't see myself moving anytime soon. So, yeah. So tell us exactly what this technique is. Define it for our, our viewers and listeners. So a lot of people, it's interesting. A lot of people, when they think of acting, they think of them, actors going into their own little sort of shell, right? And they're getting into their mind and they're, recreating these childhood traumas that have gone you know that they've gone through in order to recreate you know certain emotions and all that kind of stuff what Meisner does is he he puts the attention on the other actor to get you out of your own head because his gripe was you're not paying attention to the other actor you know that if you and I are in a scene together that you could be doing whatever you're doing and I'm too busy being in my head to focus on you so if you're doing something that should elicit an emotion from me, I'm so stuck in my head that I'm not even paying attention to what you're doing. He's, you know, uh, I, I heard this great quote that like, if two actors are in a scene together, a crane could come in, take one of the actors out, and the other actor wouldn't even notice because they're just <laughs> so stuck in their own way that they're not even paying attention to the other actor. So, you know, Meisner has this great tech or this great exercise called the repetition exercise. Hmm. Where I just pick out something mundane on you. Paul, you have a, a maroon shirt. And you just say, I have a maroon shirt. And I say, you have a maroon shirt. And we just go back and forth saying the same exact thing. 
but we're having a conversation through saying the same exact dialogue. And what that does is it takes the dialogue away so you don't have to think about the words that you're saying. And all you're doing is concentrate on what the other person is saying or what the other person is doing mm. and how they're making you feel. If they, if I say, it, Paul, you have a, a red shirt on. And then I say it sort of an angry way. That should listen an emotion from you, right? Right. Like, like why? Like, and you say, I have a red shirt on. Like, whoa, like, you know, why are you saying it like that? So we're, we're having a conversation through saying the same exact dialogue. And so that puts the attention totally on your acting partner in the scene. Hmm. And it makes for you know, a lot better chemistry in a scene. And you can see it on camera, absolutely. So that, that's the basis of what the Meisner technique does. Hmm. But it's, a, it's about a two-year program to get through the entire thing. So it's, it's really interesting. And how would you respond if I said, this isn't red, dummy? I, I would probably have an emotion. You, If you said something <laughs> like that, I would go, that's not red, dummy, or something like that. And then you would mm. be like, you know, maybe you would feel bad that you came off in a way. You'd be like, eh, it, this isn't red, dummy. You know what I mean? Like, right. So, yeah, that's, that's the basis of how it works. For the record, I don't think you're a dummy. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> although, although a lot of people would, you know, beg to differ on that, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what did you think when this idea was presented to you, Atlanta? I, like a lot of people, it had never occurred to me that Atlanta would be a go-to state for the film industry. And even a lot of people that I have talked to down here you know, I, I'm a server, and when I, you know, conversate with guests uh, about, you know, the acting industry, they said, Atlanta, like, really? There's, like, this is the Hollywood of the East is what, you know, they call it. Right. And it really is. And a, a friend of mine, Kurt Yu, uh, he had said that he had taken a workshop with the president of uh, an acting website called Actors Access. And that president had said that Atlanta, instead of going to L.A. or New York, Atlanta is the new place to move to for actors. Yeah. Which is you know, the tax credits they give and just the location and all that. It, there's just so much talent and so much work going on here that it really is the place to be. It's a lot cheaper than L.A. too. Very true. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> is there any kind of commonality that you've noticed when it comes to the people that you meet here? In terms of versus Cleveland? Yeah. Um, The people here seem to be... Um, I mean, it, the Southern hospitality thing is a very, very real thing. Um, people are extremely generous down here. The people up in Cleveland are extremely passionate about their city. You, I've never met a more passionate group of people than the folks in Cleveland, Ohio. And I truly mean that about sports, about the acting industry, just about Cleveland in general. They are extremely passionate about where they come from. And it's beautiful to see up there. I mean, have you ever been to Cleveland? I have. It, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful city, and uh, you know it's really coming on strong in terms of in, uh, the film industry that's going on there. And it's really nice to see and be you know had to be a part of that for a few years. Really, really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean there there is a pretty big difference between the people up there, the people down here. Not better or worse, just different. Right. Right. There was uh, something you were telling me about one of the productions you did in Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, it involved Matthew McConaughey. Yes, White Boy Rick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience. So that was my first, you know, big set movie, big budget Hollywood film that I had ever been on. And I was a featured extra on it, which is, 
a person who basically gets like a close up, doesn't have any lines or anything, but you get a close up. But it was really cool for me because Matthew McConaughey was like 10 feet behind me in the scene. It was this big scene with, you know, this the mayor of Detroit at the time giving a big speech to this big crowd of people in a mall. And Matthew McConaughey and his family in the film were like 10 feet behind me. And, you know, as a new actor, it was really cool because he had won, you know, an Academy Award at the time for you know, his role in Dallas Buyers Club. And it was really cool to just to see how an Academy Award winning actor prepares, you know, when they arrive on set and how they, you know, present themselves and how they go through, you know, getting themselves ready for a scene. And he was honest, honest to God, like the goofiest, but like coolest guy you'd ever want to be around. Hmm. He's very down to earth. People were walking by in the mall and he was waving to him and he was shaking hands with all the extras. He, he didn't have the attitude of like, I'm a big star. I'm better than you. He had the attitude of just, you know, you guys are my coworkers today. And so mm. he was shaking hands with everybody, extremely down to earth. It was really, really a pleasure to see that, actually. And um, it was like a 16-hour day. So by the end of the day, we were just all – I was ready to go. I mean, I was like, you're really cool meeting Matthew, shaking his hand and everything, but I was ready for a nap. Um, <laughs> but it was very, very good experience. And any new actor that's out there that, you know, has not – been on a big set or anything like that, I would highly encourage them to just go be an extra, just see what it's like, see how it all works, see the day-to-day operations of how the crew works, how the actors work and all that kind of stuff. You really need to get on-set experience. I, I would highly recommend it. Hmm. There was a story that you told me one time. I, I won't forget this. It was kind of your welcome to Hollywood story. <laughs> yeah, I know which one you're talking about. It, it's where... Things are either brutally harsh or brutally honest, whether you, you want to look at it either way. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe you would tell the people about this. So this was my first ever audition. In fact, I was so new to acting, I had not even gotten a headshot or anything. Like, they they sent the email, and I got it. They said, bring a headshot. I really didn't even know what that meant, so I just had my mom take a picture on her camera and just, we just like printed it out on our, you know, at home printer. And it was just this little four by six, you know, <laughs> picture of me standing against the wall. It just looks so ridiculously unprofessional and amateur, but I get there and it was at the Cleveland public library or one of the libraries in Cleveland, one of the branches, I think. And this line, I'm not kidding, Paul, it had to be a half a mile long for, it was for uh, captain America. One of the captain America films that was shooting in Cleveland. And I'm standing in line. I had been waiting in line for probably an hour and a half, two hours at this point. <laughs> and before I get in the room, one of the, uh, I don't know if he was a producer or what he was, a casting director of some sort, comes up to me, looks at me, and he, he unzips my jacket. And he opens me, he opens the jacket up and he goes, yeah, I'm sorry, man. You're just not thin enough for this role. You're, we're not going to have to, we're not going to see you today. And I was astonished. I mean, I, I weigh probably what I do now. Yeah. Which I don't think I'm you know, morbidly obese by any means, but I was honestly very shocked to hear that. Now, I don't know if they were looking for somebody who was like sickly thin or like what the deal was, but Mm -hmm. yeah, he looked at me and he was just like, yeah, you're just, we're not going to be able to see you today. You're just not, not thin enough. Hmm. So that was my little introduction to Hollywood. So (laughs) I went home and went for a run and yeah, that, that was it, man. How did that feel? I honestly just laughed. I wasn't offended by any means. You know what I mean? They're they're looking for a specific type and a specific look, and I didn't fit that, so I wasn't offended or anything like that. It was just I just thought it was funny. Yeah, 
because I, I don't I know I'm not like you know a huge fat person so <laughs> I wasn't you know yeah is that important I mean in in not just limited to acting and film to be kind of egoless when you can you have to have thick skin in the industry I've heard yeah. agents I've I've heard some rough stories of agents telling girls that you know are thin by most people's standards that they're just not thin enough for the industry or, you right. know, sorry, if you, if you want to be a leading lady, you're going to have to lose some weight. And I've seen girls just ball out crying. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you have to have really, really thick skin to be in this industry because there is a lot of rejection. Sure. I bet I audition maybe five times a week and maybe a month and a half, two go, two months will go by before I book something. So, I mean, I'm getting told no 80 times before I get told yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to just take it personally. Oh, I must not have been good enough. Oh, I'm not good looking enough. And a lot of people really do let that get to them hmm. to the point where they're, you know, they're not eating and they're just like overworking themselves, trying to become a better actor. And I mean, it can get unhealthy, but... You know, you just got to develop the mentality of, look, there's a thousand people that are going out for this role, too. The chances of me getting it are very slim. Don't take it personally. There's no rhyme or reason for why you might not have gotten a role. You couldn't have you might not have gotten it because you just didn't have the right look. You might not have gotten it because the producer already promised the role to somebody else. But, you know, contractually, they're obligated to, you know, at least see a certain number of people to audition. You know what I mean? So there is so many different reasons why you might not have gotten a role. There's no reason to take it personally, hmm. you know. Something that I've noticed about you ever since I met you is that you're very much a doer. Yeah. You are really about trying to get experiences. Yeah. You know, you you are not very likely to turn down a gig, whether it be the experience of videography, uh, audio recording, recording editing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got that attitude. I think in this industry, you have to have that attitude because it's all about networking and getting those experiences. Yes, it builds the resume, you know, if you get onset experience doing whatever. But I think networking is probably the most important thing you can do in this industry because you never know who's going to be working on some big project and need an actor. You know what I mean? You never know who's going to be the next big director or, you know, uh, the next big producer who can get you cast in things. It's important to be, first of all, nice to people. Kind Kindness goes a very long way in this industry, believe it or not. But just meeting as many people as you can really, you know, helps out in the long run for everything. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was at this... Uh, networking this networking launch the other day it was with Chase Paris and Tara Feldstein which are two of the biggest casting directors in Atlanta and they call it like Twitter lunches and they have them probably once a month where they just invite all the actors in Atlanta they'll just tweet it out hey we're going to be at this is at Grindhouse Burgers Mm -hmm. hey we're going to be at Grindhouse Burgers from 12 to 2 come hang out with us and you get hundreds of actors coming in from all over the place shaking hands with them meeting other people, just asking all these types of questions. And you're like, is this worth it? You know, do, are they even going to remember my face? And they'll straight up tell you, we've cast people off of these lunches. We'll meet somebody be like, wow, this person has a great look for this role that we're 
casting right now and mm-hmm. they'll cast them. And so it's just those opportunities like that, even though you're not auditioning for anything, you're meeting people. I've met, you know, I met several different actors at that place, at that lunch that, you know, I went to people who are not only acting, but directing and producing, making their own content that are like, Hey, why don't you come work with me on this thing? And then, you know, you never know what it can turn into. So it's those opportunities that I really, really enjoy just meeting people, traveling, going to different places, just getting new experiences. Um, you know, I went, I told you earlier, I went to film school. Mm-hmm. And so my love of filmmaking is still there. I love recording podcasts, you know, recording independent films for some of my friends, audio recording, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that love's still there. It's just, I also love to do acting. Yeah. So. You're also a music lover. Love it. T- tell us a little bit about that. Music, you know, I, I've studied piano for a number of years. I've told you this story. I went to an Elton John concert. It was Elton John and Billy Joel. I'll never forget it. 2009, I went with my dad. It was They called it the face-to-face tour. Yeah. They were both on pianos playing each other's songs. And it was, honest to God, the best concert I've ever been to, one of the most memorable nights for me. And I went home from that concert thinking, I got to do that. Yeah. I want to do that. And so I started just teaching myself piano. I had studied with my cousin for a couple of years. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't, the the love of music, it's always been there for me. A lot of people, my roommate, Andrew, he tells me all the time, he's like, is there a song you don't know? <laughs> like of every genre, I mean, you turn on the radio, I'll just start singing it. Where it comes from, it's always been there from a young age for me. But the, you know, music is another passion of mine. But I view it as more of a hobby than like a career choice. Right. Acting is going to always be my number one. But if I could do something else, if I wasn't on an acting set, being in front of a stage, playing some music, jamming out would be, (laughs) that would be ideal. It might be difficult, but could you pick a favorite Elton John song? Levon. Yeah? Why? Either Levon or your song. Yeah. Your song was his, I think his first number one hit, if I remember him saying correctly. Um... And I think it's so beautifully written. Um, you know, he doesn't actually write his own lyrics. He writes right. the music and uh, Bernie Taupin wrote, writes his lyrics. But I, I just think that is one of the most beautiful songs. And it's so touching and it's so from the heart that I think that's what connects me with most music. What about other things that you do with your, your downtime when you have it <laughs> other than playing on the piano? Writing is something I want to get into in 2019. Um, my roommate, Andrew, and I, we've been brainstorming some ideas about starting a YouTube channel, um, you know, possibly writing our own sketches, our own skits, you know, comedy skits and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I think writing is probably the number one thing I want to get into. Um, possibly writing some short films and maybe even a feature. Um and trying to get it produ- produced here locally. Mm. That way I can give, you know, some of my independent local friends a chance to, you know, work on something, which would be, you know, really exciting for me to see. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think writing and maybe starting a YouTube channel is going to be two of my biggest projects that I'm going to be working on outside of acting and piano. Excellent. What is your favorite place in Atlanta to get a cheat meal? A cheat meal? Yeah. And what do you get? 
Um, boy, that's a tough question because there's a lot of really good restaurants that I've tried here um, since I've been to. I'm a huge foodie, and so cheat meals are like almost every meal for me. But <laughs> um, I would have to probably say, you know what? I think the best burger I've had since I've been down here is one that you suggested to me, Their Bar. Their bar, I took some friends there. They came, they flew down from Cleveland to visit me. I took them there, and I think all three of us agreed that those were some of the best burgers we'd ever had. Phenomenal burger. Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's probably the best burger I've had. Yeah, likewise. You're a man of fine taste. I appreciate you <laughs> suggesting that one to me. So, Dave, what do you look for in a woman? Personality more than anything. I don't need a knockout 10. I want to have a good conversation with you. You know what I mean? If you can hold a good conversation, then that is the only thing that, I wouldn't say the only thing, but it's one of the most important things to, you know, establishing a good foundation for any type of relationship. I haven't had a girlfriend in seven years, Hmm. but, you know, the time will come someday, I'm sure, where I start looking for one again. And I just think being able to talk about a lot of different things and having a really great conversation over a cup of coffee or a beer is a great starting point for any relationship. Um, You know, like myself, I'm interested in music, filmmaking, acting, food, all that kind of stuff. So if a girl can only talk about, you know, a pop song on the radio or something like that, only one different thing, then we probably don't have much in common. And it's going to be mm. a very boring relationship. So, I yeah. see. Yeah. What is the best thing about being Dave Hoosier? <laughs> um, I would have to say the people I surround myself with. I have a great, great family, a wonderful mother and father, my brother who just had a kid earlier this year, my niece Parker. She, you know, it's uh, it's wonderful being an uncle. I get to be the fun uncle, even though she's up in Ohio. Mm-hmm. But it's the best feeling when my brother FaceTimes me and I get to see her walking around. I'm like, she was just born, it seems like, you know, (laughs) just a few days ago. And she's already walking around and playing with the cats and stuff. It's crazy. So I think that for me, the people I've surrounded myself with, the friends that I have, that's the most exciting part about life for me. Really. You just never know who's watching, who's listening. Yeah. For whoever is tuned in. What would you say to them? Totally open-ended. Uh, are you talking to uh, producers, uh, inspi- aspiring actors? Actors. It could be an 11-year-old kid from Wahoo, Nebraska. It could be um, a p- person in Atlanta who you meet who's watching this or listening. You, you can go anywhere. You have the microphone. I would say... Life is all about, for me at least, taking chances and getting out of your comfort zone. Hmm. I had been in Northeast Ohio for 29 years. And a lot of my friends have decided to stay around the area, stay in the hometown that we were born in. And that's fine. If that's, you know, what you want to do, that's fine. For me, I wanted something different with my life. Mm -hmm. I wanted to meet new people try new experiences, get out of my comfort zone. And I just thought if I'm going to 
if I'm ever going to make a move, now has got to be the time. I knew I didn't want to wake up and be 40 years old regretting that I had never moved down here or I had never moved anywhere and just tried something different. I just needed change. And I think every person I would highly encourage to do something that's just way out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Whatever that may be for you, it doesn't necessarily have to be moving, you know, four states away. Um, but just, you know, if you're just constantly doing the same thing every day and never getting out of your comfort zone, you're never going to experience all the great things that life has to offer. And that's, you know, it's just been an amazing experience for me moving down here. I never thought I would have the guts to do it, hmm. but something just told me it's either now or never. If I don't do it now, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. <laughs> so here I am. I'm making the most of it. I'm doing as much as I can. Hopefully one day it works out for me. Amen. Yeah. Well, one more thing before we, we part. This is spontaneous. Okay. Uh, we're going to do a little improv acting. Let's do it. Uh, you're going to pretend that you're very, very mad about the fact that I was so late. <laughs> Look, Dave, I'm I'm really sorry. I, you know, I left the house early. Are you kidding? Do you know how long I've been waiting for you? Do you think this is professional, Paul? I, I is don't... this how a professional podcaster conducts himself? Yes or no? This is how I've always conducted myself. This is how you've always con- This is the reputation you want to establish. Uh, no. no. Then you need to clean it up. Okay. Okay. This will be the one and only opportunity I give you. There won't be another one. Sorry. That's not good enough. Say it like you mean it. I am sorry. I Look apologize. me in my eyes when you say it. Be a man. I... Sit up straight. Okay. All right. I didn't mean to. And moving forward, I'm going to be on time. Yeah. Well, Dave Hoosier, <laughs> thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on. That was, that was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thank you. Of course. The Paul Leslie interview with Dave Hoosier was recorded and filmed on December 21st, 2018, engineered and co-produced by Henry Jordan of Jordan Digital Studios. For more information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.